as we look at chapter 20, I'm going to divide that up into two sections to this week and next week. And we're looking at the power of the resurrection, the true power of the resurrection, because the power of the resurrection is found in the message of the resurrection. And that message is answering his call to believe in him, but also the commission to go and tell. Now, if you've ever lost someone who's close to you, you know that one of the hardest times to bear is those moments following all of the funeral arrangements. When the hustle and bustle of making decisions is gone, when you've taken care of all of your family and you've held your emotions together so you could seem strong for everybody when inside you want to run and hide. You kept up a strong appearance for others. But yet when everybody is gone, there is a strange, eerie calm, isn't there? Just a strange calm. All of your friends and family have gone back to their lives. The, the food is put away and you have changed into your comfy clothes. And it is that time for me when the weight of all the lost hits the hardest. There is a gut level knowledge that your loved one is gone and not coming back. And you think this must be a nightmare. Would someone please wake me up? And you ask, how in the world do I have the power to get through this? And you're like, man, you're starting on a somber note this morning, aren't you? That's life. We live. We die. We love. We have people that are with us. We have people that leave us that is part of life. But how do we make it through it? How do we find the power? And my friend, I think that we can look at John chapter 20 and find power in the resurrection. So this is not starting off a gloomy message. This is a message of hope because it is at this precise moment, that moment when you feel all is gone and you can't make it the next day and you don't have the power. It is at that moment that we pick up the story in John chapter 20 in the gospel of John. Jesus, the world changer, has just been killed. He's been placed in a tomb and all of his followers are heartbroken. They are defeated and they are confused. The women close to Jesus, they're trying to finalize his burial. They were in such a hurry to get him into the grave, they didn't bury him properly. They had to go in and and they had to take care of him. That was their last loving act, was to prepare his body for remaining in that tomb. The religious leaders at this point, they are high-fiving each other and they are reveling in their success. And Satan himself is taking a victory lap that Jesus is dead. Death has defeated Jesus. He's taking his victory lap, but my friend, it will only last for just a moment. Little did they know the power that they were about to witness. What power is that? You can find the power that I'm referencing in John 10.10, where he says the thief comes to accept, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. My friend, life does not stop at the grave. The grave marks a new beginning. 
The grave marks a new beginning for the person that has gone on. They will either spend the rest of their eternity with God in heaven, or they will spend the rest of their eternity separated from God in a place of torment called hell. Whatever their decision was while they were living, that is the beginning of their next journey. It is not only a journey for them, but it is a journey for us who have been left behind. What do we do with what they have left us with? What do we do with the gospel? What do we do with the resurrection in our life? How can it help us have power in our daily routine? Because as it says, I have come that they may have life, not only an eternal life, but also we can have life here on earth. So my friend, if you are needing power to live today, if something just isn't working right, if you feel like you've you've tried your best to, to put that puzzle together, but you don't know the picture, let me tell you, you can have hope today in the power of the resurrection because it is this power that gives us eternal life in the hereafter, but also here today. Let's look at our passage. The first thing that we see is that the power of the resurrection calls you beyond your expectations. Calls you beyond your expectations. Let me ask you this. Have your expectations ever got you in trouble? I, I think probably they have. I mean, you've, you've heard about the stories of, of people that have been set on blind dates and they, they get there and they're not expecting anything and they go, wow. And they're pleasantly surprised or maybe... They're not pleasantly surprised. Or, or at Christmas, you just know that this person is going to get you that gift. You know that, that Santa Claus is going to bring that perfect toy. And then you open it up and it's a pair of socks. And so your expectations are not met. But folks, let's be honest. That's, those, those are little things. But when it comes to our expectations of God, sometimes we fall short. We think there's no way he would do that for us. There is no way that, that I could expect him to do that. Life is so terrible. I, I, I can't, can't make it work. I just have lost my sense of expectation. Here I am. I'm going to go to another church service. I'm going to endure some more music and another sermon. And then I'm going to go out here and there's going to be no life change. I'm telling you what, I don't know what you're expecting this morning, but through the power of the resurrection, we can expect a lot. It says in John 20, verses 1 through 7, it says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found what? That the stone had been rolled away. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple to whom Jesus loved. That was John, by the way. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So she was going there with her spices and everything to prepare his body for his eternal resting place. She walks in and he's gone. The stone is rolled away. Notice her first inclination is not to say, he is Jesus and he is risen. Her first thing was, somebody's come and taken him. So she goes back, verse 3. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. This is kind of comedic if you read it right. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So they were like having a competition to see who could get there first. So Peter, I guess, was probably a little older, a little slower. John beat him to the punch. But the thing is, if you read, it says that uh, 
The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. But in verse 5, he stopped and stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. So John was the first one to get there and the first one to see, but he was too scared to go inside. And if you've ever studied Peter or looked at Peter, you know Peter is the guy that does something and then thinks about it. Some of y'all are like that. Sometimes I'm like that. We just, we jump and then we think, oh, we shouldn't have done that. But here he goes. He, he's, he's brazen. He goes in. It says in verse 6, Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And check this out. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So we see some power here. The first power we see is the power to open Jesus' tomb. It says the stone had been rolled away. As Mary Magdalene and a few of of the ladies were there going to Jesus' tomb, they were concerned about once we get there, how are we going to be let in? Who's going to let us in? Let me tell you something. When it says the stone was rolled away, it was not to let Jesus out. It was to let people in to see. Jesus didn't need to move the stone. We know from the way the linens were laid and the way that his headrest was laid that he just kind of dematerialized out of that. He, he's not confined by a door. He is the door. And so the message of the open tomb is not as much he's gone as it is come and see. Come and see what has happened. Jesus didn't open the tomb because he needed to. Come and see that he is the Messiah and he is who he claimed to be. Come and see that he is the Son of God. Come and see his power over death. Come and see a place where death is not the end, but a new beginning. Come and see and let all people who are heavy hearted rejoice. Come and see that he is risen. Are you excited that he has risen today? If you've ever stood beside a casket or looked at somebody and said, oh, they look so good. If your heart has been broken because you have lost someone, you can have hope today because he is risen. That is power. There is no politician. There is no bomb. There is no military. There is nothing ever created that has power over death other than Jesus Christ. Folks, because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, because of this power, death is not the end. Mary and the women at this point had to go and tell someone because what they expected to see is not what they saw. They expected to see a corpse that was beginning to deteriorate. They expected to see the man that they had loved and respected dead. Lifeless, lying there. They expected to see one last opportunity to give a, a, a loving act to this man that had changed their life. Let me ask you this today, my friend. Think about this. What do you expect from Jesus? What do you expect from Jesus? Write that down on your notes. Tweet that. Put that on your wall. What do you expect from Jesus? These women, they love Jesus, but they were expecting death. Sometimes you and I, we can be guilty of the same thing. We forget how powerful Jesus really is. It's not about Jesus 
meeting our expectations, folks. It is not about what He can do for us. It is about what He did for us. And about what we can do for Him. Because if He's dead in your mind, that means your faith is dead. Have you lost the awe of His resurrection? Do you know it but your mind, in your mind, but deny the power that brings that power brings to build your faith. I have a lot of respect for power. If I'm going down the road and I see a power line down on the road, I will not go near it. Even if somebody says, oh, that thing's not on. It's kind of like a snake. I don't care what color it is. It's poisonous in my book. I respect that. That's the power that they have over me. But folks, just... As I have respect over a power line across the road, I have so much more respect for the power of Jesus Christ, the only man to ever beat death and hell. And so the point here is that the power of the resurrection gives us hope today. If you came in here in these doors today without hope for whatever you're going through, I'm telling you, the resurrection speaks to it and can give you hope. It can give you hope for your relationships. It can give you hope for your marriage. It can give you hope for your search. It can give you hope for the days that you live out your days. It can give you hope for that situation that is just on top of you. You can have hope because the power that raised dead, that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is available to you today. To forgive you of your sins. Or for those of you that are Christians, it, the power is available today to hold you. Close to his side. We also see that this, this resurrection has the power to prove that he was resurrected. He was resurrected. Uh, you can tell that even by the conditions of the linen. If somebody, I mean, think about this. Here's proof of his resurrection. There has always been the back channel belief that A, either some of Jesus' disciples came and stole his body, or B, some grave robbers or somebody else came to steal his body. Let me ask you something. I'm not, I am not the, the sharpest crayon in the box, okay? I'm not the prettiest color, but I know this. I know that there were two battle-hardened Roman soldiers guarding that tomb. How did the disciples or anybody get past them? The second thing is, we know because of Scripture that every disciple other than, other than John ran. I mean, they were out of here. Even the fact that Peter and John ran to the tomb, do you realize they were taking a risk? It could have been a trap. Somebody could have said that just to be able to draw the disciples out so they could kill all them too. So the disciples were running for their lives. Why would they come back and try to perpetuate this myth? And then finally, as you read in the scriptures, it talks about the fact that the linens were laid so perfectly that no one could have tried to get past two guards, move a stone, remove his body, and neatly fold everything up on the table and get out unnoticed. It's implausible. He resurrected. That's the answer. That's the only answer. And then we see the second thing. The power of the resurrection calls you to believe. The power of the resurrection calls you to believe. Verses 8 and 9. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in. And what does it say? He saw 
and believed. And in verse 9, For until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. That blows my mind. These Peter and these disciples were the people that walked with Jesus every step of the way. He taught and he, he poured into them. And Peter was one of those that was like one of the main guys. And they had went through the crucifixion or the trial, the crucifixion. And now here they are at the grave. And I've always told you, and I still believe, that's why I'm so thankful for the disciples. Even until this point, the disciples didn't truly get what Jesus was doing. They didn't truly get who he was. But when they saw that open grave, and when they saw the linens there, and the body was gone, poof, the refrigerator light went on in their head, and they realized, he is the Messiah. They got it. It is at that moment that they realized that they would go and die for what they believed in. Would the disciples die for a ruse? Would the disciples be opening themselves to be stoned and crucified upside down and to be beheaded? <coughs> Excuse me. In all the different ways that they died for a myth? No. He is alive. He resurrected. And he calls us to see him and believe. You see, belief occurs when we let go of the dead things in our lives and exchange them for Jesus Christ, who through his resurrection brings life. At that moment, it says they saw and they believed. They didn't see a dead corpse there. They didn't see a crazy leader who thought he was God still laying there. They saw a resurrected Christ. They saw a grave that was empty. They had to let go of their dead thinking and their dead doubts. The reason you and I often struggle and dig our own holes for ourselves is because we're guilty of dead thinking. What is dead thinking? Dead thinking is letting go of our doubt, our bitterness, our negative spirits, a defeated attitude. We need to plug into the power of the resurrection, not focus on the death. And today is a day that we can see and believe. But folks, you can also find your faith at the resurrection. Folks, libraries are filled with biographies of famous politicians, celebrities, martyrs, you name it. It's full of biographies. But every one of them, they have, they were born on this date. This is what they did with their life. And this is when they died. Not one of those people, not one book other than this book has been written about anyone that has been resurrected. This is what sets Jesus apart from any other person ever to have lived or to live. Because you see, J. Vernon McGee says we cannot make too much of the death of Christ, but we can make too, much, too little of the resurrection of Christ. And I've seen this in churches. I've seen this in ministries. We're all about the cross. Talk about the crucifixion and everything that he went through for our sins. And then we stay silent about the resurrection. Folks, the resurrection is, is the power. 
It's the crowning event. I don't know about you, I love cake. I mean, you can look at me and see that I love cake. And as good as the cake is, the icing is so much better. The resurrection is the icing and it says it is complete. It is finished. He is risen. There is power. And he's coming back again. The power of the resurrection to change our lives is found in this passage. <coughs> Excuse me. And Jesus' resurrection is the crux of the gospel, which is where eternity is balanced. Jesus' resurrection is the crux of the gospel upon which eternity is balanced. What does that mean? What, what am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is, is the gospel message of Jesus Christ, everything hinges on that. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but these doors on both sides that have the cross in them are pretty heavy. And those doors right there are pretty heavy. Some of you have vehicles. Some of you have really big vehicles. Your doors are heavy. Do they just hang there? No. They're on a hinge that swings. Folks, without the hinges, those doors would fall. And without the resurrection, the gospel would fall apart. The reason we are here today and the reason that we have hope is because of the resurrection. The third thing is that the power of the resurrection calls you by name. I remember when Don and I first came to this church and any other church that we've gone to before, y'all were so patient with us because when you go to a new church, especially as a staff member and a pastor, everybody knows your name. I mean, you've been in the bulletin, they've they've voted on you and, and they know all about you and you know relatively nothing about anybody except what other people tell you about them. And so, you know, for the longest time, it's like, and y'all were so good. Hey, I'm so-and-so. My name is this. And I don't expect you to remember my name. But then about after a month or two, y'all are like, uh-huh. I'm going to see if he's ready. And just check. And sometimes I nail it, and sometimes I don't. I pray the Lord all the time to help me with names. But, but what's so important about a name? Because when someone uses a generic term like, hey, dude, hey, man, hey, bud, you know, that's great. You're right, lady. Yes, ma'am. You know, Christians don't do that. We say, hello, brother. Hello, sister. Don't we? Amen. Hey, brother, how you doing? I don't know your name, but I'll call you your brother. And that's, I'm not making fun of that, but I'm telling you what. When someone calls you by name, you notice it, don't you? You notice it. Because when you call someone by names, it shows that that person is valued and respected. It shows that you feel more engaged in the conversation. It shows that there is a level of interest and respect. Would you be surprised if I told you, talking about the power of someone calling your name, would you be surprised to know that if you are a believer or a future believer, Jesus calls you by your name. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. It says in John ten three, it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. But he calls his own sheep by what? By name and leads them out. My friend, 
Jesus Christ calls you by name. Yes, He has a call out to anyone who would come to know Him as their Savior, but He calls you by name. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. And for some of you, that's not a big feat. And for others, it's a big feat. But He knows every grain of sand. He knows how many teeth you got. He knows how many DNA strands you have. He knows all of these things. But more importantly, He knows your soul. And He knows your name. And here's why I say He knows your name. In this last part, excuse me, starting in verse 11, it says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other sitting at the foot of the place where the body Jesus of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? One of the angels asked her, She said, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. And again, same question. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought that he was a gardener. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him. And I will go get him. Look in your scriptures. What is the first word of verse 16? Mary. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which means teacher. By her calling him teacher or Rabbani, she is saying, I get it. You are the Christ. You are my teacher. You are who you said. How did she know? Because he called her name. Jesus calls your name today. For some of you, he has called your name. Never take light of that calling. She says in verse 17, Jesus says, Don't cling to me, Jesus said, For I have yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, that I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Jesus told Mary not to cling to her because he had yet to ascend. You see, he had to ascend so that the Holy Spirit would descend upon us. He had to finish his work so the Holy Spirit could bring his. And Jesus reminds us that the power of the resurrection is not bound or not found in clinging to him, but in sharing that message. The message of the resurrection is this. Tell them, I have seen the light. Another translation say, I have seen the Lord. Are any of you here today good at keeping receipts? How many of y'all are receipt keepers? Anybody? They're all embarrassed about it. You should be proud about it. You can keep receipts. How many of y'all don't keep receipts? You just hope they'll take it back. Yeah. I can't find a receipt. But friends, 
The thing is that the receipt shows the cost of whatever that purchase was. And my friend, the cross and the empty tomb are receipts of the payment for your soul and your sin debt that says paid in full. And if you want to read the receipt, it is right here. He paid with his life something you could not afford. Forgiveness, a new start in eternity. So my prayer for you today is that you plug into the power that is found in the resurrection. The power to be brought from death to life. The power to live a positive Christ-centered life. The power to share the message of the resurrection. You may not have expected to see the light of Jesus today and experience his power, but you can have heart, my friend, because he calls your name. The power of the resurrection is found in the message of answering his call to believe in his commission to go and tell. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message and the power that we find in the resurrection. And Lord, if there's any person here today that feels lost and hopeless and they have lost the power of their faith or never had that power at all and they want to know that power the power of the resurrection the power to change their life for an eternity i pray that they not leave this place before they either come down front and talk to me or talk to anyone here lord in a position of leadership that can share with them what it means to be saved the invitation here is to come forward and And to ask for that, there is no one in here that would judge. There is no one that we would rejoice. Lord, if even one person came to know you this morning. But whether someone wants to come forward to receive Christ and have me pray with them, or come to the altar or just have prayer, or join this church and be baptized, whatever their decision may be, this can be their time of decision. And oh, I pray that the enemy will not talk them out of it. Because you are greater, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Would you please stand?